You're listening to this week's edition of The Road. Let me just talk to Christians for a minute. Hey, fear, worry, panic, that's not acceptable. It may be normal, but it's not acceptable for you as a believer. Courage, honor, uh, standing up for what's right and doing the right thing all the time is. That's what we need. And it's important for you not to lower your standards or just become part of the crowd of fear and worry. It's like, what, what differentiates you from anyone else? Someone who has faith or non-faith. At The Road, our mission is to empower people to change the world. For more information on The Road, visit theroad.org. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Well, welcome to everyone via your home, car, phone, or work. And um, I'm excited to share today a message I think God has truly put on my heart. And with everything going on, instantly, in some ways, things are better. We got prayer and spankings back in school, just like that. You got to love that. Uh, husbands are actually getting done the to-do list around the house and the wives are happy but there's great challenges going on and you know I wanted to just share a few minutes how I think we can still have joy and enjoy life in the midst of catastrophic crisis so one of the ways I would say is uh, or why because people I mean if you're watching this right now you're wondering well, what are you going to say because I'm without a job, I'm stuck in my home, uh, and things look grim. Well, I think there's two areas that I can speak from. First is the most important, which is the Word of God, the Bible. Now, even if you're not a believer or you don't really read the Bible much, I'll just tell you, would you just listen? Just take a moment to listen to what's going to be said, because I think it is the truth of the Word of God. That has helped me the most in my life with things I've been challenged with. And the other aspect is my life experiences with Pastor Steve uh, alluded to a bit. um, From being abused as a kid and having injustices done to becoming and serving in the Marine Corps and uh, being trained in that to having served and worked among many people in, I mean, in the biggest crisis we've had of late with ISIS the last five years, who millions of women, children, families have been disbanded, become refugees, run out of their cities, lost loved ones. Uh, You want to know catastrophic crisis to where they still have not recovered. So when you compare living in a tent with cold weather, people dying from unsanitary conditions, uh, lack of just basic necessities, uh, suffering with the emotional trauma of losing loved ones to ISIS in multiple countries around the world and still not being able to get their economy, move back to their home, that's a level of crisis that we can learn from. And uh, I'm thankful to all my friends in Iraq and Syria Turkey, the Middle East, Europe, those who are IDPs, those who are refugees, who really offer the world something now in a way of 
how to live with joy and dignity and hope in spite of the challenges you face. For us, well, even though we're in a tough spot here in America, we're still in our homes. We still have basics, electricity, water, cable. Some of you are binging on Netflix and all the mother channels. So get food. Now, I know some of the grocery markets are without food, but that's due to people trying to store up for six months in the last minute, which is it's just wrong. Give me a break, um, especially with taller people. I think that is the funniest thing ever. It shows you the psychological profile of the average American to freak out in the face of great crisis. What do I need? TP. My gosh, are you kidding me? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, just ask the millions in the Middle East and other places how they do with that. So, I'd say this. I've seen amazing things from the slums of India to the jungles of Burma of people living without and retaining dignity and having joy and living their life. I mean, this thought just keeps coming back to my mind. I remember being deep in Burma uh, with my friends, the Free Burma Rangers and Dave Eubank and, and people who have lived it and lived on the tip of the spear for years and years and years. And I remember one day, because we were living in a hut, bamboo hut, no windows, stairs to get there, really, you had to step high. It, they said primarily keep snakes out. And, uh, you know, an outhouse that had no, I mean, as rough as it can be, water that you got from the river, all of it had to be filtered or else you'd get, you know, pretty sick. And yet, I remember this one exact thought. I was, had been there a little while, and man, I was starting to enjoy everything. And I thought, wow, there is no car insurance, no life insurance. There is no mortgage. There is no on and on and on, 401k. There's, man, there's just living and enjoying life. Do they have their challenges? You betcha. But they've been doing it forever. And I thought, wow, this is where we ought to start taking people on mission trips to enjoy life, get perspective. So here we are in America facing pretty good challenge. But I would encourage everyone to have a mindset change in order to adjust. And be careful what you feed your mind because that's where people start getting sideways. Fear and anxiety and all of that. So first, let's look at the Word of God. I believe the Bible is the infallible Word of God. That's true. It's everlasting. It's living. And it can make a difference in your life as it has mine and continues to. 2 Timothy 1.7 is a passage in this holy scripture. That is what I consider my life verse. 2 Timothy 1.7. It's been fun to watch many pastors now do devotions on this verse. Start teaching, it's a, it's a national standard now. And God bless all my pastor friends all over the country because now you're living a level of faith you weren't three weeks ago. Because you're used to your, the body of Christ coming in and passing that offer and having a bucket. And now you're praying people have internet service. It's just a joke, but it's true. So it's, uh, it's good. Everybody's being challenged. It's a time for growth. It's a time for us to, to see God be faithful, to realign our priorities in life. But 2 Timothy 1.7, I love this. For God has not given us, or you, a spirit of fear, but power, 
love and a sound mind. So why does he start off by saying God hadn't given us fear, this spirit of fear? Because a lot of people are afraid. I mean, the Bible talks plenty about fear. It's part of the human nature. What's your definition of it? I got mine this morning. It's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous and likely to cause pain or threat. It's a belief. Fear is a belief. Hmm. I heard true belief is clinging to, relying upon, and trusting in. And what are we clinging to, relying upon, or trusting in? Don't, 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 oh my goodness. Don't put your belief in fear. It can be comforting. It can be a companion, but it will mess you up. Why? Because it starts to turn into uh, excessive worry, anxiety, panic attacks, OCD, ultimately PTSD. You know, on average, more than 3 million people or cases of anxiety happen in America every year, which becomes a, a disorder which actually can interrupt your daily life. So can you imagine, on average, if it's 3 million, what it is now when our whole society has kind of turned on its side and people are super worried? What a great opportunity for you and I as Christians, and if you're not a Christian, for you to find faith in God, what a great opportunity for us to show that excessive worry does not have to run our lives. And Christians, let me just talk to Christians for a minute. Hey, fear, worry, panic, that's not acceptable. It may be normal, but it's not acceptable for you as a believer. Courage, honor, uh, standing up for what's right and doing the right thing all the time is. That's what we need. And it's important for you not to lower your standards or just become part of the crowd of fear and worry. It's like, what, what differentiates you from anyone else? Someone who has faith or non-faith. So, I would say this. God says he's not given us a spirit of fear, and I know about fear. I don't, I don't stand up here and speak like I'm some motivational speaker. I've had to live it. I've had to live facing fear and overcoming it. From stuff from my childhood to my adulthood to having to go into psychiatric care. I mean, I had 123 visits in nine months to a trauma specialist because of excessive acute anxiety and panic and dissociation caused from PTSD. And I've been on Depakote, Depakine, Prozac, Zoloft, Lithium, Buspar. I know what it's like to go into the VA, sit there and wait to get my pills or, you know, whatever. So I don't speak to you as someone from a white ivory tower with theory or conjecturing and, you know, pontificating on stuff. I'm telling you raw, real reality. I've had to live it. And, um, and I know that's why I trust in the Word of God. I mean, this is when it's a time for the Bible and those scriptures you've learned to come alive in a greater way. I mean, to explode, for your no to know it's real and it's true. And um, this scripture that we're reading today, you know how many times I have said it out loud, thousands of times, sometimes every hour. Sometimes, minute by minute by minute, just saying, God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. 
God's not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And I've seen the need and the purpose to have Scripture lived out alive because I've been under great fear. Um, and if you watch my film online or read my book, you'll see what I mean. Um, you know, I suffered torture as a kid, being electrocuted, dumped in a tub, being tied up, and that stuff will come back and haunt you. And uh, it really did interfere with my uh, adult life to the point where my wife actually took my children and had to move out. Um, we got separated a couple of times, um, and we've been married 31 years. But she ended up coming back saying, hey, this is how critically important it is for you to get help and to believe the Word of God. So we are. I believe this, that God has given us power instead of fear. What type of power? Well, finally, the Bible says, be strong <laughs> in the Lord and the power or strength of his might. That's Ephesians 6, 10. And uh, <laughs> I will say this. You got to believe scriptures like Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, finally. Some of you, you're going to come into a point in your life where it's just finally. You're struggling with fear, anxiety, uh, compulsive behavior, and Finally, just get it. The Lord says, just get it. Finally, be strong in me. Recognize the source. A lot of, a lot of Christians, people, people with money, influence, religion, pastors, ministry, every, you're going to see whose feet are uh, clay. You're going to see those whose feet are sunk in the strong foundation of the word of God because they're going to live this out to be able to live out what they truly believe, you know, and that matters. In the Middle East, I've taken people with me uh, in high-risk areas where, I mean, ISIS is shot at us, mortared. We've, you know, we've been, had to sleep on roofs, uh, have watches because of crazy things happening. And you see how people start to respond under horrible circumstances. What they believe really starts to come out. And then I've had people say, yeah, this was great. I think I'm supposed to go home. And like, wow, you have a lot. No, I, I feel God is leading me to go home. I'm like, dude, why don't you just say, I'm totally freaked out. This is over. This, I, and then work through it versus just succumb to fear and bounce. And you know what? I'll tell you, uh, this is an opportunity for many of you to do honest self-assessment. I spoke at a men's conference recently with Marcus Luttrell and Tim Tebow and General Jerry Boykin and some others, great speakers, great impactors. And, and I remember saying, it was thousands of men. I just said, it's not a bad thing for you as a man to step up on the man scale and do an honest assessment of where you are and who you are in your life if you want to grow. And I've got great friends that have done that and said, well, where are my weaknesses? Where are my strengths? Where do I need to work on them? Where do I need to be honest with myself? And it's men like that, like you, that I trust and respect to do the hard thing. I still do it all the time because life is ever-changing. Acts 1.8, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. For what reason? To be my witness. Hey, you guys, hey, listen to me right here. I think this time is a great opportunity for Christians 
to be renewed by God's power, for us to repent of our wickedness, our hardness of heart, our religiosity, things that prop us up, repent, do away with it, and then receive the power of God upon our lives for one main reason, to win and know the lottery numbers. That's a joke. I just want to see, that's, that's a joke. Uh, for the purpose, I need a little laugh monitor. Press the button. Uh, for the purpose to be a witness. That's what it says in the book of Acts. God wants us to be a witness in hardship, in challenge, and this is great. Listen, here's what's so exciting about this. Our world as a whole in our lifetimes have never been in this situation. It's literally a pause on life right now. And it's not a time to freak out. It's a time to go, woo-hoo, let's look at the opportunity. I mean, seriously, kids, you don't have to go to school. Are you kidding me? I love it. Parents, well, you get to be a teacher. I know some moms are going, sweet Jesus, come, power come upon me because I got these youngers at home. And that's why I love getting them to school. Well, I don't know about y'all, I tell my kids, I doubt, I doubt y'all going to go back to school this year, so you know what? You're having an extra long summer. Boom, there we go. The superintendent says it. Uh, it's a national crisis. You can start school again next year. So, uh, the power of God to come upon us to be a witness. And young people, be a witness. Be a witness. Parents, be a witness. Uh, this is a great time to slow down. I mean, I don't know about y'all. Anybody ever feel like you, you just on a, a hamster wheel? Just spinning and rolling and running and pounding. And, and you're just like, hey, this is pretty good. I get to stay home. I get to practice social distancing. For those of us who sometimes don't like people, that's a good thing. <laughs> Sorry, nope. Stay away, you know, because of the virus. Uh, <laughs> so, put my glasses back on. So, the power of the Holy Spirit to come on you to be a witness. Uh, it's a great opportunity when somebody goes, man, how come you're not freaking out? Or did you, like, I had to self-quarantine uh, because of my travels. And I was around thousands of people when all this stuff was hitting. And, you know, I've got a hacking cough like I work in a coal mine. So, you know, it's like, hey, uh, I better self-quarantine. I had to get away from my family, went out to our training facility here in Colorado, a training facility that will help equip people and, uh, for times just like this in regular life, spiritually, physically, and, uh, you know, emotionally. And I'm out there, and yeah, it was an inconvenience. Uh, I did get to shoot a little bit, which is a good quarantine. And then I got a test. Uh, my doctor's office said, yeah, you should come in and get tested to make sure so they weren't drilling up my nose for brain matter and wham, wham. And it just came back clear. That's why I'm able to be here today. But, you know, it's a great opportunity for people to see how are you acting? How are you responding? What are you, what are you clinging to and holding on to? Mine is, well, the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you about fear. And I've got a great example. Um, what if you... I mean, literally, what if you knew that you were going to go to Iraq with me in the heat of ISIS's fighting 
and towns and villages being liberated. And we had to train you, put on kit, how to hold a weapon, comms, you know, first aid. How would you start to feel knowing that you were going to go with us on one of our teams? You think you start getting a little bit of angst, anxiety? So what if you were only 12? That actually happened. I actually took a 12-year-old on one of our teams because he was my son. And i never forget him seeing us prep and get ready. He, uh, he asked me one day, he goes, uh, hey, Dad, can I talk to you? I said, sure. He goes, are you going to, like, put us anywhere where, you know, ISIS can get us? And I said, son, kind of, I paused everything. This is a good little window of opportunity for me to connect with my son. I said, son, are you scared? Now, I've always trained my son to be honest with himself and others, but honest no matter what and how hard he goes, yes, sir, I am. I am scared. I said, boo, that's normal, but it's not right. I said, here we are, beautiful Colorado, training, prepping, getting ready. I know you know many of our stories of death, dying, and all the craziness that happens. We prayed about you going, your sister, your other sister. But I said, to answer your question, one, no, I'm not going to put you where ISIS can get you. But we're in Iraq. We have safe houses. We have armored vehicles. We have security. You know how to do basic things with an AK, and, you know, we're going to teach you how to all this kind of stuff. He said, yes, sir. I said, so let me ask you a question. Right now, are you in danger? He goes, like, right now? I said, right now. The last week, two weeks here at home, are you in danger? I says, ah. He goes, well, no, sir. I said, then why are you letting fear rob you of a reality you're not even in yet? And he's like, well, that's true. I said, this is when you have to turn to the Word of God and believe and commit that and not let fear overwhelm you or else it just robs you of your life for right now. He goes, okay. All right, Dad. That sounds good. And I did tell him, now if, we, if things go sideways, you'll be the first to know. And guess what? Things went sideways. The summer that, that we were there, we had a number of things happen where we got contacted by people here and agencies and people there and they said, ISIS is actually uh, targeting you because of our exposure and footprint got really big that summer in Iraq. And we were told by key people, you need to get your family and get out of the country ASAP. So we switched into a high gear. Actually, we had three different safe houses uh, during that summer. And man, we moved to a different place and it was super secure. And in three days, I got my family out of Iraq. And that was a very tense time. So much so that when we went to the airport to fly out, uh, some of our tickets had been canceled. And I was like, no, we have no, we've had, sorry, the tickets are not, they're canceled. And I said, well, give me, give me more. Here's a credit card. And uh, they said, we cannot take their credit card. It's like, are you out of here ever living mine? And I knew there was nefarious action going on. So that's when we pulled out our insurance money. 
cash. And we were able to get on that plane and get out of the country. Do you know like six months, six months later or something, my son came up to me and goes, hey, dad, remember that whole fear thing and ISIS and I said, yeah, he goes, when it actually happened, I wasn't afraid. I said, you know why? You relied upon the grace of God in your time of need. And God is faithful. The Lord is with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And he's certainly not going to do it now. Do you think God's Holy Spirit is quarantined? Nope. There's no social distancing with the Lord. I'll tell you right now, he's near to the brokenhearted. And some of you are, are fearful and afraid and at home. And look, stop letting it eat you up. See it as an opportunity for many things. But God's given us not a spirit of fear, but power. And then love. I love love. I love love. Love casts out all fear. Perfect love does. And you know what? Love your neighbor. Here's the time to love your neighbor. Uh, get to know them. Walk over, knock, and stand at a distance and say, hey, I know we've never been close, and I hit your car mowing my lawn with a rock that spun out. I never told you, but, you know, uh, no. I'm, hey, hey, have fun with your neighbor. Get to know them. You got older neighbors? Tell them, look, you don't have to go shopping. We'll go shopping for you make sure everything's sanitized. See how God can use you in the lives of people right next to you. And your neighbors are going to be those closest to you. Uh, he's given us power, love, and a sound mind. Um, many of us need to have a mindset change because your mind's unstable. And you're making decisions based on fear and anxiety. And it's like, first of all, calm down. All this is going to pass. It may take a time. Our country may not go back to the way it was, and I'm okay with that. Do I love a strong economy? Yes. But I think, and some of you are not going to like what I'm about to say, but suck it up, buttercup, because it's the word of God, is this. Second Chronicles 7, verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, and he said to him, I've heard your prayer. And I've actually chosen this place for myself as a house of worship. Remember, Solomon's the son of David, the wisest and wealthiest man to ever live. Verse 13, God says, When I shut up the heaven and there was no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. My goodness. Look at that. Everybody wants to quote verse 14, if my people call by name, but they don't want to quote verse 13. And I'm not saying God has caused this, but he's allowed it. And I think sometimes people, the choices people make cause consequences and I just know this, how long will it take before our nation and God's very own people humble themselves and pray and turn from the wicked ways? Things that if you're quiet and still, you know are wrong. And look, I'm in ministry and I know the state of American church and it's not good, okay? I'm gonna just tell you right now, it, there's no... There has been no real solid foundation. And I've, I had a dream. I, I've, I shared a message last week. I had a dream at the end of last year, and 
And I saw churches and buildings sinking because there was no foundation. I had this dream. It was so real when I woke up. I told my wife. I told a couple of friends. I ended up telling them. And I taught on it. People weren't ready to hear it. But look at it. Sadly, it's coming to, it's coming to pass. That nice buildings, big things set up are sinking because no foundation. This is a great time in our history to change the foundation by which we've lived on. Stop being religious. Stop trying to build our own kingdoms. And start building God's kingdom as his people. What you do, what you've been giving, your, your finances, your gifts, your talents. Isn't it for the purpose of raising a godly family, making God known to others, advancing his kingdom? I think so. Social media, isn't it for reaching people and being a light? Not just trying to get followers and likes. You know, it's so funny. Christian ministry. Uh, I remember so many of my friends in ministry with other ministries all happy and supporting me uh, as a young fledging ministry in social media until I guess we passed them with the number of likes and followers. And we went from 5,000 to 10 to 100 to 200 to a quarter of a million. All of a sudden, my friends, they weren't posting my stuff anymore. Uh, I've looked at some. They're not following me anymore. I'm like, what the heck is wrong with y'all? You think this is a contest? Oh, if this is where your priorities are, you know, what a knucklehead. I've seen it. Silly stuff. Envy, greed, pride. It's nonsense, y'all. I mean, it's nonsense. So, I love the Word of God. It is the source. What a great time. And I tell people, I struggle to get in the Word. Uh, so I met a young man last, like, a couple of weekends ago. He's like, how you doing? I go, great, but my devotions are really weak, man. Pray for me. He goes, oh, well, but I mean, you're Victor Martin. You're the, I go, yeah, that's what I'm telling you the truth. I, my devotions are weak. Pray for me. I want to get in the Word of God. Well, we certainly are now. So I'll close with this. I love this quote. Listen to this. To each there comes in their lifetime a special moment when they are figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered a chance to do a very special thing unique to them and they're fitted and specifically fitted to their talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared or unqualified for that which could have been their finest hour. Sir Jerry Lewis. No, that was Winston Churchill. That was Churchill. You guys, I tell people, whether in the special operations community or guys serving or women or in the intelligence, whatever I'm training or helping people, man, I'm just an ordinary person that God's allowed me to do some extraordinary things. And not only had, are, are we similar, I think in many ways I, I'm below. I'm the little Nebo in any given room. But I trust God and I'm, I'm humbled that he's been able to give me opportunity. And he wants to give you opportunity as well. So don't let this moment pass you by. Don't look back with regret and say, man, I shrank with fear instead of rising to the challenge. Let the word of God dwell in you so richly and the power of God be upon you that your life shows you live the life of courage. You live the life of faith instead of fear. And you didn't listen to the naysayers, the whiners, the, 
the people who got comfortable with fear, but she said, no, 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 no matter what, no matter what. And you know what? In the realm of death and dying, I've faced it a number of times, and it's really not that bad because you're either going to die or you're going to live. And if you're supposed to die by the hand of something, God's in control anyway. You're going to change anyway. You can go slip on a curb and knock your head and go to heaven. I had a guy tell me yesterday, kind of rough and he was like, well, yeah, as Christians, aren't y'all like, if you die, you go to heaven? How bad is that? I said, great point. That's our reality. So it shouldn't be fear. It should be like, Lord, and remember, the Lord, he has your days numbered. So quit worrying. Oh, oh, oh. Be prepared, not paranoid. That's what I talk about. Be prepared, not paranoid. Don't act stupid. But man, be a light for God during this time. You've been listening to The Road. We hope you have been blessed by today's message. To connect with us further, visit theroad.org. If you are walking through a difficult time, we want to pray for you. Go to theroad.org, click on the Ministries tab, and go to our prayer page to send us your prayer request. Thank you for tuning in today, and be sure to listen to the next edition of The Road.